Hey, this is Mohani Love from Let's Talk About It. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. To Mohani Loves Podcast. Let's talk about it. And today, on our Sunday, we have Angela Marshall. Angela Marshall is a public speaker, professional writer, columnist, columnist, <laughs> bestseller author, creative consultant, ex-NFL wife, and business owner of, in other words, by stone. Her topics of expertise include but are not limited to converting the downs in life to wins, making positive plays every day, and the scores that do not count. Angela, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it, Mahani. <laughs> yes, let's talk about it. So How I know you? I'm fine. And on Sunday, we picked the best day, right? Well, to have that's a- all it is because <laughs> it is football season and basketball season. <laughs> so, hey, it is what it is. But, you know, I think every season is, or it's in season every time to really talk about how to make broken pieces beautiful again. So absolutely love the podcast. Love you. Love your platform and love what you're doing for everyone out here. Thank you, Angela. So I know that we have, and we have a lot of people that love sports. I told you, I don't know too much about sports. I can't even jog, girl. You see me run, you'll be like, what? Okay. So, right, I have to go jogging with you so you can see this. It's really an event. Like, it's one of those hold the camera, put on social media events. <laughs> oh, you're that friend. Okay. <laughs> so, um... I would like to know, and I'm sure other women would like to know, how other people, not just women, how did you meet your husband? I your your ex husband. My ex husband. <laughs> I, yeah, I met him in high school. So we were quote unquote high school sweethearts, as some oh. would, would term it. I uh, was actually walking around the school campus with a very, very good friend of mine, and I saw him, and this is true, I actually put it in the book, so let me just go on and put it out there. <laughs> I saw him, he was coming the opposite direction, and I fumbled, I dropped my books. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, did, is, did, did you, is that true? It's did you do the book drop? Okay, okay. I girl, look here. He, he, he was handsome. He's still handsome. You know, I can okay. say that 20 years after our divorce now. You know, nice. I, we hated each other early on. But, uh, yeah, very handsome, very confident, very sure. Everything that, um, that I'm attracted to. So, yeah, I fumbled my books. And mm-hmm. then I kind of got, you know, how we girls do. We, we try to get the 411 on uh, whoever's in our crosshair in our eyesight. And I found out that he was not seeing anybody. So I just kind of would always position myself to where he was going to be or walk, making sure I walked down his hall where his locker was <laughs> all of that, so I could be seen. So that's how we met. Ah, and then it was like, uh... When did you go on your first date? What was the first date? Oh my God. I don't really know if you can term it a first date. I think we just kind of spoke through that particular friend of our, that mutual friend of ours and things just kind of happened. Like I really, it wasn't conventional because really, to be honest with you, I was 15 and I wasn't even supposed to be dating. Got you. <laughs> so, okay. So I would just sneak and go like, we would go to like the bonfires and the pep rallies. Oh. And, you know, we do stuff like that after uh, after games, but I was always sneaking. <laughs> so now when he, so you were there, you know what I mean? You were there through the everything. 
Absolutely. When he got drafted, what was the first thing that went through your mind? Well, first and foremost, um, he went undrafted, which was a very, very down period in his life. He actually would have gone or was projected to go high in the draft, but unfortunately, a college accident against LSU many, many uh, years, uh, many years ago, stunned that part of it. So, you know, there was just a little bit of of mental tweaking there. Mm -hmm. But when I found out that he would go undrafted to the Denver Broncos, like it was just a, a bunch of emotions. I like to explain it like, you know, those different emojis on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you go through the light, the love, the sad, the angry, the the one with know, the tears. Just everything, girl. <laughs> <laughs> because wow. you know, it's just so many things that kind of go through your mind at that particular time. So yeah, it was uh it was it was a lot of, of uncertainty, especially for me. Now I knew what his life, the turn his life was about to take, but just for me, uh-huh. um, it was yeah, it was it was very uncertain. And let me just in- interject, at that particular time we had already we had two children. <laughs> oh wow. Okay. Yeah, we had them early, girl. <laughs> wow. So oh. having, you know, a one year a two year old and a four year old at the oh, time. Wow. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, it, it, it was, it was definitely scary. And, um, you know, still just trying to figure out my life, him trying to figure out his life. And then we have two children we're trying to figure out their life too. And now he's thrust. Did you, did you have, lifestyle. did you have supportive parents? Well, I had a supportive, um, family, not parents. Cause I was not raised. Uh, I was not reared uh, with my biological mom and dad. I was actually in the home with my grandparents at the time. Okay. So I'm not going to really say that they weren't support- supportive. I think because I was such a rebel and just so hot in the <laughs> pants. <laughs> they were disappointed okay. with a, they were disappointed with a lot of the choices that I made. That's why your um, podcast is, is so near and dear to my heart as far as like broken pieces because I think so many times people look at that and they're like oh this situation broke me or that person broke me but I believe you will get more healing if you look at what you did to break yourself. So these last two and three years, two, two, three years, this inner journey that I'm going on, that's what I'm doing. Like I'm looking at all the choices, all of the consequences, everything that I brought onto myself from relationships to partnerships to whatever I've done in this life. Um, even, you know, as far as like professional, I'm trying to just make sure that I every broken piece that I broke because that's really the only thing that I can control that I'm turning into something beautiful going forward yes and you know I to when I wrote the book broken pieces my thought about what broken pieces were and what they feel like was whenever a person go through an event right whether they cause it or it was done to them even though it's in the past I I think inside you have this little broken piece and every time it's brought up, you feel it. It's like, you're like, oh, and until you don't feel anything when that situation's brought up, then you know you've made that broken piece beautiful. Absolutely. I so that, 100%. <laughs> that was my reason for writing the book. I mean, we all have so many broken pieces inside and I believe 80% are created from outside. Not even created by yourself. You know, um, Decisions are correct. correct. That makes so sense. now while I, I agree as far as like you know the the um external being a kind of like the the cause but the mm-hmm. effects of it, the continued effects is mental. That's right. And that's and, just, yeah, and that's just my opinion on it because that's right. that person has gone on with their life or that thing or whatever is no longer you know, in my dynamics, but I'm choosing every single day to be woe is me, to be a victim, to, you know, not just uh, be able to take that broken piece and mend it, glue it. Or sometimes you got to take that broken piece and, you know, you just got to throw it away and just be like, hey, it's a done deal. Let me just move on. You know, one of the things that I tell my 17 to 21 year old mentees that I have, you know, there's two sides to that whole uh, crying over spilled milk. It's like, no, don't cry over spilled over spilled milk. Just go buy some more. It's okay.
don't know if we lost connection. Hello. <laughs> uh, no problem. We'll part one and part two. It yeah. absolutely. <laughs> so, um. Getting back to the magnificent life that you you have built for yourself, um, <laughs> we do hear that little person. We'll ignore them anyway. Um, what were what what when you were going through your marriage? And here's the question: What happened? Why did you guys divorce? We divorced because we outgrew each other. Okay, that happens in a lot of relationships, yes. I will say that, you know, I just felt like I no longer added value to his growth uh, journey, and he wasn't adding value to my growth journey. And in all honesty and fairness to him, he, Uh he didn't even know how to add growth, how to add, you know, value to my growth journey because I didn't even know who I was. Like, I was still trying to figure that whole piece out so it definitely was not him um, uh-huh. I'm not going to point any any blame towards him as it as it relates to that it was 100% me and trying to you know just get learned in a lifestyle that I just felt like I did I never fit uh-huh. when we decided to divorce it was um you know, it was one of those things where he was tired of me, I was tired of him, and then the children were tired of both of us. <laughs> <laughs> were you? Were you? It's, it's. Were you living? Did you feel as though you were living in his shadow? Um, because no. of his career. Nope, not at all. He was very good. Type, no, he was not that type of a person. Um, if anything, I was creating shadows in my own mentality like I was making up a lot of things that actually just were not true now did we have discord did we have disagreements and issues and problems that that any marriage or you know uh, husband wife uh, father mother would have absolutely 100% but just from the whole scope like as I reflect back over the time with my ex-husband I can honestly say that it was not it was not because he made me feel inadequate matter of fact he was always trying to be in a state or in a mode of helping I just didn't know how to receive that help if that makes sense (laughs) ah yeah okay so it was a part of you just went through I call it the motions and relationships yeah I I will just being young being immature being early you know parents like I said trying to parent and not really growing myself or maturing myself mm-hmm. there's a lot of dynamics there that you know enabled um enabled my broken pieces <laughs> wow was was did you have to deal with groupies absolutely you already know the answer to that but <laughs> but Listen, it was no different when we were in high school. You know, oh. like I, I, yeah, he was he was a he was in high demand, and so was I, for that matter. So yeah, because you're beautiful. Always, I told yeah. you I didn't even ask you his name. I really didn't because I, I I don't know. Right, right. Well, I just, <laughs> yeah, I I um I think anytime you have two people, one that are quote unquote pleasing aesthetically yes. to the eye. Yeah. You know, okay, that's that's a draw because let's just be real. You know, people can say, "Oh, well, you know, I was attracted to your inner," but you can't be attracted to my inner until you actually start talking to me. That's just what I believe. Now, oh, now, goodness. now, my energy—that's one thing. But actually, knowing how my spirit and my soul is, uh, that's something totally different. You, I had to have fit, or he fit, a particular, you know, physical attraction or standard. Mm-hmm. For people to be, for people to be, you know, uh, attracted to you, and that's just that's just how I see it. But yeah, I mean, girls were always after him, <laughs> you know, always doing disrespectful things but in front of I, you. Uh, well, I'm not gonna necessarily say in front of me. Now there were a couple of incidents when we got to the league level 
Mm-hmm. And so there's this, when you leave the game, like I remember this one incident, we were actually uh, with the Denver Broncos. So as a family, you meet them at a particular location and then they come and, you know, and as you're walking out, you have the option. You can go through this little tunnel thing where fans are on either side. And so they like have these things thrust for him to autograph or whatever. And mm-hmm. I remember these two girls that broke through, you know, or came outside of uh, how the barriers were put up for us to walk mm-hmm. through. And mm-hmm. I mean, they just, they started hugging them, kissing on them. One girl had a pair of her underwear <laughs> in her hands <laughs> and they were like pawing all over. So anyway, needless to say, that night we had a very, very bad night. <laughs> you know, and, you? He was, and he's like, Angela, it's not my fault. And I was like, but you allowed them to disrespect me in front of like the children. And as we're walking and, you know, whatever. But um, now, in the skin that I'm in now, first of all, I never, because they could tell my agitation, and I think that fueled it even more. So in the skin that I'm in now, in the relationship that I have now, I would never give another woman that power to see me annoyed with Uh something that she's doing with my man. I would make sure once we got home, or we got in the car, or away from that source, because I would, you know, I would just dead that energy source at that time. But then I would, you know, I would address it appropriately. But I would hope also going forward, like I'm almost 50. That relationship, <laughs> yeah, the relationship I'm in now, I would think that he would, you know, he would cut it off at the past. I think my ex just being in that state of mind where, hey, these are fans. Like, you know, I can't, I don't want to push them and seem too, you know, standoffish. But then, you know, where, how do you draw that fine line? So, yeah, you, you deal with the groupies, but they're no different from, you know, I think a janitor that's good looking and, you know, he's a good man and a stable man and, and other women wanting him as well. <laughs> and you know, I don't get it. Well, why do women think that he's a good man, a stable man to you? Doesn't mean that's what he's going to be to them. <laughs> that's right. That is absolutely correct. However, you know, that's just, that's not the mentality that, I know. Yeah, that's not the mentality, girl. I know. <laughs> everybody want a baby, right? Well, I think I think everybody either wants, um, you know, some sort of paycheck, or they just want to be wherever the cameras are clicking and and the fame. And wow. one thing I will say is that the majority of the guys that I know, former NFL players to this day, as well as when we were actually in the league many years ago. Most of them, they weren't fazed by that. Like, they knew. I mean, it's just like now. Like, guys know, uh, you know, who's actually going to be there for them at, uh, you know, when, when the chips are down or who's there just when the the light is, is shined upon them. You know, we, we have this term we call the groupies or the ones that are there just, and they have a hidden agenda. We call them night lights. And we're uh-huh. the spotlights. Uh-huh. You know, we're the spotlights. <laughs> Wow. So did yeah. you ever become friends with other um, wives who husbands were in yes. the league also? Absolutely. Okay. You know, that's very important for you to have some sort of tribe or connection with others that are in there. And I was just very, very fortunate and blessed enough to where the wives that I connected with, they had been in the league for some time. So they gave me some very, very valuable information is unfortunate that I could not use that information while I was in it. You know how it is like you're wiser now, you're more settled and, and you have heard uh, terms or you've heard advice and suggestions before you and now it's just now clicking. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but it didn't click then because again being young, having children young, being a little hot tempered at that particular time so you know, yeah, the, the things that I learned from those wives at that particular time, I actually carry over into, um, you know, my relationship now. Really? Oh, mm-hmm. Well, are you? Okay. Nope. I'll ask you that question off uh, off the podcast. I had another question. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Does it? Um, okay. So now in your life, I saw that you've done so many different interviews. So you are on demand. It's, it's coming, you know, people want to know and especially with this world today it's so many people walking around with broken pieces there's so many relationships 
that either need to be reformed or you have to simply mentally tell yourself that it's over. Yes. When it was over, and I mean, one thing I believe about couples, because I'm, I'm divorced too. I'm, I'm a divorcee. I've been through it. You know when it's over while you're in your relationship. Yeah. It's when you decide to say, okay, it's not working. We got to stop this. Who was the first one that made you said both of you guys it was a mutual thing, right? Well, he actually wanted to stay together to mend the relationship, but he wanted it for a purpose that I was not um I, I just didn't want to be a part of. You know, he had built this semi, I guess if you would, empire where he was helping at-risk youth. He had different charities. And mm-hmm. he needed his family unit. You know? Ah. Yeah, he good. needed his family unit. And so many times he said to me, you know, like, what's that going to look like? Like, I mean, why can't we just, <laughs> you live here and I live <laughs> there. And when it's time to for me to do my events or time for this, that, you know, you, I get my family together. But I just knew that I would never, ever be the wife that he needed. And I'm so glad that I stuck to those guns. Not that I'm an advocate for divorce. So please, none of your listeners and viewers, <laughs> don't send me no messages. First of all, I don't respond <laughs> to negativity anyway. Nice. But I am, not a, I am not an advocate for divorce. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm revealing now is that I'm happy that I went on ahead and took that route because I would have continued to drag him down. Like, like you know, I, I could not be that rib or be by his side. And you know how they say by every great, by every dynamic and incredible man is a dynamic and incredible woman. woman. Now, mm-hmm. I had those tendencies and I had that potential, but I was nowhere near birthing it at that particular point. So I think that's, you know, that's that's pretty important. I kept, I had too many broken pieces. What I found out later, which is very interesting, is from my childhood, from being, you know, in middle school, different things that I had suppressed for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Like you said, that does. It continues to just cut you and bruise you and hurt you and harm you until you actually reveal and heal. So I have yeah. not done that. Now I'm doing the work now, you know, 20 something odd years later, but. The best thing that Joker could have done was was sign those divorce papers and be like, "Thank you, thank you, Angela." <laughs> wow. So it's it's good that and you guys are okay. Like today, like you guys get along, everything's cool. Absolutely. So we have a 33 year old son and a 31 year old daughter, and we have five biological amazing grandchildren. Nice. It took us, yeah, it took us some time to get to you know, being cordial and, and, and saying I'm sorry for different things that happened mm-hmm. in our past, uh, you know, past relationship. But yes, right at this moment, if there was anything that I could do for him, I 100% would. And also in my book, he pins, uh, you know, like in, on the third or fourth page, he, he pins a congratulatory note to me. And he's like, he's in support of the book because the book is not bashing. It's not about him. It's not about the per se it's It's about about life it's about me it's about the story and life of an ex-NFL wife so I talk about my inadequacies I talk about my deficiencies I talk about you know just all of the gunk and the junk that once you know was inside of me that was hindering me and I talk about it in different stages and how now you know, I was able to just take all of those broken pieces and just make it into a masterpiece. Now, with that being said, that masterpiece is still, depending on how you look at it, you know, like some people term things a Monet, like from afar, it looks fabulous and stunning and shines. Then you get right up on it and you see all of like the curve <laughs> of her nose is crooked, you know, whatever. No, you look at it and say, oh man, this is a fake. <laughs> it's, a big old, it's a big old mess. <laughs> but truly you know that's how i that's how i view myself and that's how i i just i view anybody to be honest i don't care from the pope to the note to the hope to whomever like i don't i don't really esteem people so high and just think that their walk and their journey 
their transformation and their change and their growth is so, you know, great to where they just don't have any type of, um, you know, any type of issues. We, we make a, that's a, a bad misperception and, you know, perspective towards people when you just hold them on that, on that mantle so high to think that they don't have any, any issues that they're working on. And you know what I love about what you just said? Um, when I, in my books, I, or especially my book, Broken Pieces, I always, I wrote in my um, office notes that I wanted to be a different kind of author. When you see a lot of these people who write self-help books or books like the kind that I've written, they go, oh, they're perfect. Like when you see them at their interview, it was like, wow, they overcame all of that. No, in my book, I tell the truth. I'm still fixing it. So yes. as I write my book and I'm fixing me, let me help and fix you. Let's fix each other. Let's, Let's do this together. Let's it's not about me. I, I, listen, you can say you've overcome this. And, and when people say that, it's just to get people to run and buy the book. <laughs> just people to run up. Oh, I'm going to go buy it because if she did it. But you got to remember, you're not her. My, yes. Your superpower is you, Angela. My superpower is me. Absolutely. You know, I and a lot, say. that's the vision. I that am people a work need to... in progress. Yes, we all are. A work in progress and a work through process. That's right. <laughs> no, it's true. And you know what? Listen, your laugh is so sweet. And I just, I listen, <laughs> sometimes I sit in the room and just laugh. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. and it feels good. Those are those positive endorphins. I remember I, I used to work with kids with behavioral issues. And I would go, come on and laugh because you know what? We need some positive endorphins. And it makes you happy. And I go, look them up. It makes you happy automatically, just like with dancing. A lot yeah. of people, it's so funny because they will say to me, girl, I was, you know, I really enjoyed your video because I just, I don't care where I'm at or what I'm doing from time to time. I'll just, you know, like break out and dance from, I'm, and I'm eclectic. I have all genres. Nice. So I'm like moving, I'm dancing or whatever. But what they don't understand is that sometimes, like literally before I press record, I just had boo-hooed or just, just went, through, <laughs> went through a major meltdown. And I'm just like, oh, let me, you know, let me get up, let me dance. But yeah, I do that too. I'll just, you know, smile or I'll start laughing or anything that will put me in a mental mindset that, okay, it's going to be okay. You know, yeah, you're going through this and this is how it is right now, but you are going to go through it. You're going to grow through it and then you're going to glow through it. And that's the main thing. And two things. The time was 333 when you started to say that, which that's an angel number. And let me tell you what else. One of my books are called Grow Through What You Go Through. Wow. <laughs> okay. So, See, you know, look um, at it. Look at it coming together. <laughs> That's right. And it's about growing. You know what? Um, a lot of times, life experiences are there for us to grow. Absolutely. Because I, nothing I, is perfect. Not, and listen, as much as we would want it to be, it isn't. What would life be without the jealousy? What would life be without... I mean, you need <laughs> all of that stuff you need to shape you. Not well, coming think, from you around you sometimes you need it to shape you you know what i mean nothing's perfect if you lived in a perfect world could you imagine you right now absolutely. or me look absolutely not but i think that there are <laughs> there are those um people that live in like this magical fairy uh wonder what what is it fairy tale land where they feel like, oh, you know, like I get this all the time where people are like, I just want peace. I just want peace. Well, if you want peace, you need to go to the cemetery because that's the only place you really going to get 100% peace. Now, <laughs> with that being said, I'm not, there's a difference between, um, you know, having the wherewithal to uh, solve problems, to come out ahead over issues. And then there's that drama. I'm not talking about drama. I get that. But mm -hmm. if you're thinking you're never going to have any confrontation or, or like it's just everything is going to be hunky-dory, you know, where you're singing kumbaya all day, <laughs> it's yeah. not going to happen. It's not even biblical. It's not spiritual. It's not, mm -hmm. um, you know, just and I'm not saying like your life has to be so filled with anxiety. Uh, that's right. not what I'm an advocate for. However, I do feel like, you know, there are those things that you have to figure out, which are emotions and different triggers, trauma, different things that you have to do, baggage, you have to unpack 
from history, you know, um, relationships, partnerships, professional, um, and and even let's just let's just be real. Sometimes a lot of that stuff has to do with how we were raised, and like That's you know, right. it's not a it's not a thing against my grandparents, my mom, my aunts, my uncles, anybody in that era, because mm-hmm. they only. I think they were doing what they thought they knew best. But yes. Some of that stuff was, you know, it wasn't, eh, wasn't necessarily the right way to to handle, you yes. know, impressionable and young minds. But it's okay because now that I know uh, what I need to do, it's like I don't blame them. I'm not, you know, saying that I had this horrible childhood or I had these horrible relationships. My ex was horrible. My previous employment, you know, was hard. No, not at all, because everything is a choice. And there's, you know, decisions that I make to do X, Y, Z, and either there are consequences or there is reward (laughs) for those things. So, you know, I had, and I'll tell you something that I'm working on, right? Because, you know, I'm a nurturer and all of that. Mm -hmm. Learning how to remove myself. If I'm around people and I see it, it's just like making a meal. You know how you put the butter in before you uh, scramble an egg and the butter yes, melts and you see it? And and I'm, I'm, I see it and it's coming right for me. And it's like I'm learning how to remove myself. Whether it's a bad conversation that's getting ready to go into some area that it shouldn't. Whether it's around people that I'm, I, I'm, I'm watching something happen. It don't have to be my fault, but it falls in my lap. All of that. And that's what is that to me. That's one of my biggest things that I have to work on learning how to remove myself. Absolutely. I agree 100%. It coincides with <laughs> me, with me <laughs> understanding um, yes. what I want in my space, what I yes. want in my face, and what yes. I want in my place. You know, Love it's it. just. Yeah, it's it, and and it's not a knock against anybody. It's not a, you know, me trying to set myself apart and think that I'm better than because I I I don't believe that. I believe I'm other than, but I'm definitely not better than. Mm-hmm. But in situations where I know that whoever I'm engaging with or I'm interacting with that he or she or that thing or that place is it, it does not fulfill my heart or fulfill my spirit or my purpose. You're absolutely right. Learning how to remove yourself is so key. Like mm-hmm. I've, I've, I'm able to now identify more and more triggers for the external as well as internal. Like I know certain things that, you know, I, I definitely have to get better at every single day. But in dealing with people, <laughs> I know, I know from, you know, first couple of conversations, sometimes from the first conversation, I can tell like, mm, no, this is somebody who I'm just going to talk to in passing. <laughs> and, then, and then there are others where I'm like, okay, well, yeah, you know, maybe this is someone who I can allow a little bit more access, a little bit more entry into, you know, into my personal space. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really, really key. And I think that that's, that's a great thing when we learn how to remove the barriers, how to remove certain things that cause us, um, you know, cause us unnecessary headaches and, and heartaches and hardship. Yeah, girl, let it go. And, and I think, go. too, in this world today, it's like you want people around you that you can learn something from and grow with. Absolutely. Now, and- I'm not saying, you know, listen, I can learn something from the most hood chick and that, that <laughs> I can that's Doesn't me mean too. Your status has anything to do with it. She it's is your heart. Her. <laughs> <laughs> so I agree. I agree 100%. I and a lot of people will go, oh, no. Oh, no, not her because, you know, she's wild. Hey, that wild child, <laughs> you can learn something from her. Absolutely. You know, it's how and I she think is whatever it is, we're supposed mm-hmm. to take you know, uh, or um, learn from that person, you're absolutely right. You, you you should do that. And you definitely shouldn't abandon a person just because they don't speak, they don't live, they don't talk. You know, maybe their mentality is a, is a little different mm-hmm. um, from ours. Because then that's, that's, you know, feeding into ego. Yes. Yeah. And you have to bury that. The biggest thing that, because um, you know how social media go, right? One person will do a hashtag 
hashtag forgive yourself and them. And then the whole world's like, yeah, well, I forgive myself for allowing that situation to ruin my life. I listen to all that, right? Okay, okay. But um, I feel that forgiveness come in levels. Mm-hmm. And every time I've made that statement before and it went over some, you know, people head, I'm like, listen, mm-hmm. everybody, you know how they'll say, um, self-care is important. Well, could you please tell me what that is? Because self-care for you might not be self-care for me. That's right. And don't look at me and say, you sleeping too much. That's depression. No, maybe that's my self-care because I was a person that never got rest. Maybe that's my self-care because I'm up all night taking care of my business. Each person's dynamics and situations That's should right. be unique to them. Yes. From relationships to friendships to business partnerships. I say that over and over and over again. But it's so funny because we have all of these self-made Dr. Phil's and Dr. Roots <laughs> and whatever else. Yes. Girl, I wouldn't stand for this. And a lot of times now, y'all better hear me good. A lot of times <laughs> it's right in your own camp that are saying what they would and would not do or you know whatever and i think that that's just that's like a recipe for disaster instead of us talking mm-hmm. with the person or even you know notating like my own inadequacies and then just trying to work towards okay this is good for me this is not good for me and it's okay i don't need anybody's validation or approval or deny or deny you know whether or not i need to incorporate this in my life or whether or not i need to remove this from my life but I think we've been conditioned and we've been trained to yeah. where, you know, if mom says something, dad, auntie, uncle, especially best friends or whatever else, like that's God and that's the law. But mm-hmm. one thing I do with my friends is if they ask me a question about something or ask me, you know, my advice or my suggestion, I always say, well, for me and my situation and my dynamics, this is how I would look at it. But for you, you have to, you know, then turn it around and you have to figure out whatever that dynamics used to, you know, needs to look like for you. But rest assured, no matter which way you take it, I will love you no less. (laughs) Whatever way you go with it, I will love you no less. And I will support you in in your journey, whatever that needs to look like. I have friends now that... You know, once upon a time, maybe we're contemplating divorce. I'm divorced now, so you would think I would be bitter and be like, girl, you need to go on and leave him. Nah. Let me yeah. tell you something. Stay with your man, especially if it encompasses it, uh, the word love, everything that, um, you know, you guys, you two are building together. Stay with your man. Don't be listening to them naysayers and them haters out there and them single and That's right, because when you don't have, don't listen. <laughs> you don't have to. Especially, especially the one that still got their man, right? But they tell Absolutely. you what you need to do. I'll Absolutely. tell you something that you made me think about when I talked about forgiveness, right? So I've had relationships after my uh, first divorce. And when I be like, no, be gone, you know, I had enough. That's it. They'll, they'll, I'll get emails. Well, you know, forgiveness. I forgive you. I just, it doesn't mean I want to be bothered with you again. And that's the thing. That, that a lot correct. of people don't understand. Just because, just because I say to you, I'll say, "All right, Angela, you know, I forgive you about what you did to me," but you'll say, "Oh, I'm having cocktails and invite me over." If I don't show up and say, "Oh, I have something to do," you got to accept that. Yeah. I can forgive you and just figure this is not for me right now. But I think, in addition to that, mm-hmm. that conversation needs to be had so that those boundaries and that's or that's that's a known boundary so it's like i'll give you a, an, an example with one of uh, a friend that i had a long time friend actually that i had um you know we just kind of grew apart or whatnot no animosity no you know beef between us now we talked about things we talked through things mm-hmm. however our lives are still on different trajectories so we're, we don't occupy the same space like we once did back in the day when we were homies or when we, you know, we were, uh, what do they say, thick as thieves. Mm. And, it's, and it's okay. But she knows that, I know that, even with guys in relationships, uh, I'm not going to call it a relationship, the interactions that I've had. <laughs> interactions. <laughs> interacting, hey, and then Jada's word, entanglement. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, those... Those 
right? It's like, mm-hmm. I really do try to give some type of closure or I try to accept closure when, you know, it's been decided either he doesn't want the relationship anymore. I don't want the relationship anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a, like you said, there's a, 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 there's levels to that particular forgiveness or that particular letting go. Yes. But it shouldn't be up to the world or any type of, of, um, you know, jury to, oh, well, you should have did this or you should have did that. Or well, what do you mean? If you forgave him, then maybe you can go back to him or you forget. No, like that needs to be decided between you know those people and then and then it should be respected so hey kudos kudos to you i mean bottom line is you can only direct and guide your life yeah i can only direct and guide my life and i'm learning that more and more and more especially with my two adult children it's like i see certain things that they're doing and how they're handling things. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's going to go over so well. And back in the day, <laughs> look, back in the day, I would have been this angry parent, just like always telling me, you need to, you need to, you need to. But now they'll talk to me about certain things or we'll have conversations. And then I just say, oh, let me know how that, how that works out for you. And I just leave it alone, you know? You learn because, how to just let it go. Because you have to allow people to walk their mistake. own journey. Yes. You know, they have to carry their own crosses and burdens, just like they have to figure out once they're going through their successes and their struggles, um, you know, their strengths, their weaknesses. All of them have to do that, period, for themselves. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think, you know, if people were more into minding their own business, you can give advice, you can give suggestions, but it shouldn't be so, you know, so critical and so harsh to where you're then you know talking about someone or you're looking down on someone because they decide to do something different or they have chosen what you know the the road is or the path is that they're going to continue on just you know just lovingly support them (laughs) you know what my thing is i remember um one of the chapters in my book i talk about um why all the time you don't ask for a person's advice i have you know sometimes i can go to someone and say you know, oh man, I I was talking to my man about this situation and because I'm I did not say, can I get your advice for something? About mm-hmm. something? And somebody will automatically I really want the disclaimer, like, okay, I wanna come to you and say, Angela, can I get your advice about something? But if I come if I call you and go, Angela, girl, I'm so I'm going crazy because Tom keep on leaving the shoes under the bed when I say don't leave them. <laughs> I don't want Angela to say to me, well, girl, let me tell you, you need to get a garbage bag and throw those shoes away every time you do it. Well, Angela, I, I say to myself, and now look, that's what my thing is. You understand? That's my thing. Yep. And I'm writing about that in the book. I wrote about it in my book because that's what I believe all the time. A person do not want the, they don't want the answer. I Sometimes people just want to talk to you. True. However, <laughs> here's, here's, listen, here's what I'm going to say about that because that, all is, right. not, that all right. is not the human way. And we already know that. So what my girlfriends, my two best friends um, and I have established is when they call or I call and we have something on our heart that we want to say or we want to talk about. It's like, we automatically say, hey, I got this situation, but I want you to just listen. Or we'll say, okay, I got this situation, and when I'm done, then I want your perspective on it. I agree with that. Listen, there's no ambiguity. It's just like, (laughs) you already know I'm not calling to get your bad advice or your sad (laughs) advice or your mad advice. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm calling because I need to vent or I just, you know, really need to just kind of um, uh, pour it out of me so then I can, you know, sometimes that, that that helps us to think a little clearer. But again, it's just communication and being very specific. That's so important, you know, uh, in, in today's society. And I'll tell you, especially I think sometimes when I'm having <laughs> inner conversations with myself, now I'm getting ready to get real <laughs> deep with it because sometimes I will sit and, you know, when I'm journaling, cause I journal about bad stuff, sad stuff, happy stuff, good stuff, you know, all of that. But more so with the bad and the sad and the, the um, confusing stuff, I'll mm-hmm. journal, but then I read it out loud. 
So then I will say, you know, like I'm trying to contemplate what my next move or the next step needs to be. And sometimes I'm not going to lie. I have to say, Angela, you are not allowed to think negative about this situation. Angela, Mm -hmm. you are not allowed to give a, you know, negative perspective about this situation. Tell me what the solution is. You already wrote the problem. You already spoke. You're going through the problem. What's the solution? Let, you know, let, let's hear that. So, yeah, I think that establishing that those boundaries very early with whomever you're talking to, whether it's an employee, employer, uh, you know, a co-worker, a friend, a boo, a husband, <laughs> or whatever. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to say this, but I don't want it. It's not a topic for discussion. I just want you to listen because I just need to get it off my heart. <laughs> mm. You know, I um I laugh because my, <laughs> when you can identify your problem, when you can say that's my fault, I have this problem. The problem that I have is, or I keep on doing this, you definitely have made leads with your life and what changes you have to make. But it's so funny. I, I actually solve my problems when I talk. About it. I can tell you something and, and then I'll, and you go, but you just solved the problem. So what's the problem? I don't know what that is. I, just like I said, we talked about how you're raised. And see, we're raised by people. But the thing is, once you go off into the world, it's what you choose to keep with you and what you choose to leave behind. Absolutely. But, you know, and, communication is so key and fundamental. Like it you is. You have to talk and you have to, you know, be able to just dismantle whatever it is that you may be facing if you don't bring it out if you don't you know if you don't know how to articulate it and it it doesn't have to be exact but just articulating it to the point to where I'm not looking to dwell on the problem I'm looking for the solution solution. Mm -hmm. that's making leaps and bounds and you're right let me tell you I often say this to the podcast hosts that I connect with and those that are are, you know very um, gracious enough to bring me on their platform y'all are my free therapy so thank you (laughs) (laughs) no I I just said I just spoke to um I had a podcast earlier and I said I said you know I started this podcast so I can receive some type of therapy because you, I, I look at life sometimes with my mouth wide open. Like, did that, just, did that just happen? Or did I just accept that? Or, and it's really, you know, after the pandemic, what's with all the other stuff we're going on and use that as an excuse or use it as a crutch. Right. Because after a while, that's what I think a lot of people can do. You know what I mean? But, and that's what they will do. That's yeah, they will. Right. So what but I did always somebody but... else's fault and whatever else, you know, I mean, there's always because I don't want to face myself and I don't want to do the work. So I've got to, you know, be able to point the finger at something or someone. So, yeah. Let me share a secret with you about me, but it's not a secret now because it's all it's going to be shared. All over. Audience. Girl, all share, over. Share I'm getting ready to share it, girl. <laughs> if we were on, if we were on live, I would pick up a cane and show it to you and say, you see this right here? And I keep it. Matter of fact, I think I'm going to decorate it because I can use this as part of my testimony. I had so much stress two years ago that it caused me to limp. It caused my right leg to go up inside. I had a short and long leg and I limped and was in pain every step I took. No doctors could tell me what it was. It, I didn't know what it was. My family would watch me and go, what is that? Doctors would say, oh, he got a painkiller. Arthritis. Yeah, okay. Well, and, and then I started to gain weight. I, I lost my father this May. Bad relationship. I have three boys. Mm-hmm. My oldest son had a relationship, have a relationship. So that, you know, that's another thing. Right. So I was letting everything pile up on me. And I said, my goodness, look at what happens to a woman when she has stress. And I released it. Weight went down. Oh, threw the cane away uh, last year. <laughs> Don't even need it. I'm, it's up against the wall now. Walk great, painless, happy. I had to make a lot of changes. And you made a decision. And that's the main thing. Like, people don't understand. I don't care male, female, young, old, you know, um, adult or child. Anytime you allow trauma 
mentally huh. is going to affect you physically. Now, I'm not saying like I know Western medicine uh, and I guess Eastern medicine as well. Uh, you know, they've said that how you think, uh, you know, it can affect certain organs and systems and just, you know, your overall well-being as far as physical. But I do believe that there's a lot. I don't know if that's 100 percent, but I do believe that there's a lot of truth to that, because depending on even now, depending on how I feel, sometimes if I'm if I'm sad or if I'm, I'm angry, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'll start to tense up and I'll notice like I'll be a, a little more tight you know, maybe yes. my head, I'll experience a little bit of head pressure and, and all of that. So I think that, that that definitely has a lot to do with mentally, like the things that we either don't unpack, we don't talk about, we don't confront and just suppressing it. And then the next thing you know, you know, your high blood pressure, your, you know, whatever else. That, that you know what's so strange? None of that was affected. I'm totally healthy. I don't take pills for anything. Always yeah. been healthy. Precious of somebody 16, but yeah. I'll tell you something. <laughs> let me tell you when my let me tell you when I knew it had to stop. Let me tell you when that cane had to go. I start realizing how people really treat you when you have one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I laugh because it was this really handsome guy, a lot of muscles. I'm saying really handsome crossing the street. Now mind you, I'm the way I'm standing, the cane is like behind me. He looked me up and down like the girl I Pick, move that cane to go walk. He turned his head so quick. <laughs> and, wow. and I was like, dang, I, this this cane is temporary, but I I made it temporary and I made up my mind that I'm never going to need it again. Like I said, that I will be used that as a testimony because I do want to let women know that, boy, oh boy, the stresses that we can put amongst us can ruin us and you know what mines didn't affect my vitals on the inside it was my right leg and yep. and it's something it's that when not my body did that and i'm healthy i'm like wait a minute what's that not me you know i i that's how i felt not me uh-uh. that mentality but i fixed, it. I fixed mentality. it and you know how i fixed it silly and happy i will call my mother and laugh and go let me tell you something funny and she's gonna and listening like okay and you know i find stuff to laugh about i think about stuff your brain it's the brain of ours a woman's brain we have more space than men so in our brain our, our thinking space so i have to always find something funny in order to be healthy Okay. That works well, for and, me. And you know what? That like still it coincides with as a person think, right. so are they. So yes. if you really believe that, like your mentality has a lot to do with your vitality. Yes. You know, your personality. I mean, you know, it's just your physicality. It's like <laughs> it's like you really have to understand that that's like 80% or 90% of how you're going to function day to day and what you're putting into your brain, how you're thinking, how you're perceiving everything. You know, I had a similar story with, I was having some pains in my right knee. And when I tell this story, people look at me crazy, <laughs> but I had a pain in my right knee mm-hmm. and it was, you know, it seemed to get worse, like during the, uh, when it was colder or morning time. So of course, what's the first thing people say? Oh, it's arthritis. Or mm-hmm. all this or that. Let me tell you, girl, I kept rebuking that. And I kept, I don't receive it. I kept saying it, kept saying it. I actually went to my primary care and was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm having trouble. And it was pro- this probably went on about two months. Mm-hmm. And I went to him. And, of course, he did x-rays. He, girl, he put x-rays up on the board. He showed <laughs> me. But I promise you, as he was pointing and saying, well, you know, there's, a little, there's arthritis around here. I, was, I don't receive it. You was telling yourself that, right? No, no, no. I said it out loud to him. Okay. I I was like, I don't receive it. I don't receive it. I I see it. I see it as to be true, but I don't receive it. He was like, okay. He said, well, Angela, you know, because he was talking about doing steroid injections and this and that or whatever else. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do any of that. And he said, well, I'll tell you what. uh, Holistically, what you can do, and he gave me some little exercises and different things that um you know like over the counter there's these pads these little warming pads called um salon by salon paws uh-huh. and it has like a camphor camphor in it and so i would put those on at night 
I would, um, you know, just make sure I was drinking a lot of water because that's the other thing too. He was like, I know you like iced coffee, you know, maybe <laughs> cut back on the caffeine and stuff like that. Like he gave me different, you know, things that would help. And I promise you within four months time, no pain. And that was like mm, maybe three, cause that was pre-COVID. So three, three or four years ago and to this day, I'm back on the track. I'm back working out full speed, full speed ahead and doing uh-huh. it and have not felt those pains. Now, do I believe at age 49, I'll be 50 in a week or so that, oh. um, you know, yeah, that I'm, that I'm, you know, I don't have, uh, you know, arthritic, arthritic um, tendencies or whatever. Absolutely not. But it's just that in my brain, my mentality, I just don't receive it. Just like bad news and different stuff. Uh, that's going on in the world even now. I'm not saying that it's not there. Right. It's just that for me, I'm not going to focus on that. I'm not going to make that the focal point. I'm not going to make have the problems be bigger than the love, the life, the laughter, or the liberty. It just ain't going to happen, Kathy. <laughs> I love it. Wait a minute. I, I had to put my, my hand claps. I'll do real hand claps. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Anytime you get into that mindset, and I coach people on on that particular, um, you know, sentence, it's like you can't make your problems bigger than your life, your love, your liberty. Um, you know, it just you you just can't do it. You have to make sure that there's a healthy balance. And yes, you. I'm aware. I know there's a virus out there. I know that I'm 49 and I'm, you know, I know with in my DNA that genetically this, this or that is in my family um, or, you know, runs in my family. But by the same token, it's like, I'm not focused on that. I'm focused on living a full, a fulfilled and a free life. Period. You know, and that's where I put my, uh, put my focal point at. I want to be so vibrant and so agile and mobile to where I'm just like, eh, okay, yep, I've got this, but I'm not going to allow it to hinder me, period. <laughs> yep. I love it. We got Maybe got to make up a don't tell me about it policy if it's bad. Well, <laughs> I will say this. There are people and, you know, family members and friends, coworkers, mm-hmm. when they start on that, that, um, what I call the depressed train, I'm like, mm-hmm. nah, we're we not going to talk about that. Let's talk about what are, you know, what is the solution so that you can then move into a better headspace. Like I just, I, you know, and I'm not being cold and I'm not being callous, but I think people that are just so hell bent on just being, woe is me, woe is me, or being down, down, down all the time. And, and let me just say this. I'm not saying that I don't experience valleys or lows because I do. Right. But I have, I'm going to say this, I have this amazing um, eight minute rule that I've set for myself and that's eight minutes per day. So we have 24 hours in each day, but for eight minutes, and sometimes I don't take all the eight minutes, I may take four, may take three here, there, but still a total, I write it down, I keep a record of it. Eight minutes out of each 24 hours is all that I'm allowed to moan, complain, <laughs> you know, uh, whatever. And it has worked. I mean... It's not flawless now because it it also depends on what I'm going through. So if the problem or the issue is something that is like very, very high on the list that is stunting me growth wise. Yeah. You know, sometimes when I'm done with eight minutes, I'm like, oh, I need more. I need more time (laughs) to complain. I need more time to talk about it, you know, or cry because I've done that. I, I will go to a place, I'll scream, I'll cry and I'm just like, Lord, why, why do I keep doing this or why does it, you know, whatever. But eight minutes is all I give and then I move into the rest of my day period. And it, and it's helped me. I've been doing that probably going on like nine months now. And it's, it's drastically changed the, you know, just how I see, um, certain problems. You know, it's scary. If you want to see something, if you look at it this way, have you ever taken a magic marker and you touched a tissue and you watched it bleed? Haven't you done yeah, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I always figure problems are like that. Wow. They keep on, if you, you never looked at it from that angle, right? Never. But you're right. When I was younger, I remember taking the, the, the magic marker and put it on paper and you just hold it there and it just 
I'm keep on going. Enlarged. But can you imagine you start a problem and you keep on thinking about it, but that's what it's doing inside of you. It's just growing. Just the same thing. And then look, the next day you wake up and no, this is the, the real kicker. I call it the kicker. When you tell one person a problem, right? And it's over, then an hour later, this person calls you go, so let me tell you. Then this person goes, you just, that thing is just bleeding on that paper over and over again. It's called letting it go. So, you know, um, that's why we have people like Angela Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Look, to tell all my trauma and my drama and my and my issues so that that way it'll help them. And we know we're not alone. That's right. Absolutely. And and I and I am a definitely a fan of that. Like anything that I can share with my life, I'm 100% authentic. I'm 100% truthful and transparent and just ready to do that because I really believe that speaking to you know inspire is the way to go I don't and and I have like there's a saying that I use when you know when I'm actually in front of people doing in parent um in-person appearance where I say hey I don't speak to impress I speak to inspire so with that being said, I just think it's so important that all of us just stop feeling ashamed about your broken pieces or about different paths or journeys that you've taken that eh, may not have went went so well. Those are things that we need to be sharing. And as we share them, it frees us. You know, it, it, going back to biblical, the truth mm-hmm. will set you set free. Set you free. And yeah. it does. I don't care how damaging, how you know, demented, destructive that it is or that it has been, it will 100% set you free. I love it. (laughs) And I will say this, I love it when people come up to me and, you know, back in my heyday, I was very reckless. I did things, I said things, you know, whatever. So it's funny, like people want to keep that version of you, right? And so Mm -hmm. like I'll have people and they'll come up and they'll say, oh girl, I remember when so-and-so, and then I, how I turn it around, I'm like, absolutely. I did all of that. Had an amazing time. Um, what's next? But see, what they want is for you to feel ashamed or for you to get in this box like, ooh, you know, this happened to me, that happened to me. But I always say, you know, I'm not worried about the skeletons in my closet because they're cousins in your closet, okay? <laughs> That's right. People enjoy People enjoy the bad and the ugly sometimes. And, and what they want to do is they want to take your broken pieces uh, if they know about it and they want to stab you and jab you and, you know, and, and and continue to cut you with them over and over again. And you just can't allow that to happen. You have to take those broken pieces and you have to start building them and correcting them and, and you know, just making them into a masterpiece. And again, going back to what I said at the beginning of the pot, at the beginning of the show, it's not that that masterpiece is going to be this flawless perfection of, you know, uh, uh, outline of you. There's still going to be scars and they're going to be, you know, there's going to be healing that needs to take place. But overall, those broken pieces, time after time after time should definitely turn into something masterful to where now I'm able to stop, you know, figuring and figuring out about this issue. And now I can go into this issue because that's just, that's, that's just life. That's just the way that it's going to happen. You know, it's not like you're just going to be free to not have any more problems, you know, just being forever more. It just doesn't happen that way. Well, if you meet somebody that don't have problems, right, make sure we bring them on my podcast, please. Look here, if we meet somebody like that, that means we in the cemetery, we and we have risen. <laughs> we I, I risen. tell you, I, I that's mean, that's funny. the only way that I can explain it, you know. <laughs> but thank you so much for coming on yes. my podcast. You know, we have to go live, girl. Absolutely. So we will be emailing each other about <laughs> I want to talk about your book. I want to talk about your book. And I'm happy we don't know your ex-husband's name, but guess what, doll? Everybody's going to buy that book to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, because listen, we that's what I told you. The world still need nosy people. The world still need those people. They serve absolutely. a purpose. Those are sales, absolutely. right? <laughs> no, hey, But at least absolutely. they'll receive your messages along with that. That's right. That's and I right. will get your book and 
thank you so much. It's been a wonderful podcast, very informative. Absolutely. Thank you for hanging with me on Sunday. Hey, I appreciate you. I appreciate the connection. I definitely, even after we do the live, I think that, you know, there's some things that we can do come together to put some things in place for 2022 that, um, you know, we can just merge our missions and our our vision and and just, you know, continue this line of, of communication with healing and um, revealing, you know? So yeah. Love it. Yeah. Thank you. And I look forward to it too. I have so many ideas. I have one in particular (laughs) that I know you're going to love. All right. Let's do it. (laughs) So thank you guys. Happy Sunday. And thank you for listening to Mohani Loves Podcast. Let's talk about it. And never forget that I love you.